0: You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart.
1: Hey, get your popcorn ready.
0: NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app.
2: Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast presented by Miller Lite. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to focus on injuries with injury analyst Will Carroll and provide your fantasy. Fix with Holden Kushner of TuneIn Sports.
1: And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with Baltimore Ravens cornerback Brandon Carr.
2: Brandon, thanks so much for taking the time. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? We are doing well, and we appreciate you joining us today on the NFL on TuneIn. What's this season been like for you? Transitional year, first year in Baltimore, and you walk into a locker room with some big personalities like Terrell Suggs.
3: It's been everything that I, that I hope for and that I, that I ever imagined. Um, just being in a in, a, in a town, in a community, Um an organization where defense is is very dominant. Um, the, the the tone was set early when we got here uh, to be the best that we could be, and working our butts off to get there.
1: Brandon, there's been a tremendous amount of injuries in the secondary um, for some for over the last couple of years, of course, and. And we've seen you've seen the offense kind of sputter in the sense of, of what they were trying to do, whether it's the running game or even Joe Flacco. But you guys are still in the thick of things, with having an opportunity uh, to do what you want to do, which is most important to get to the postseason. Give me your take on what you guys need to do moving forward to make this thing come to fruition.
3: Well, on defense side of the ball, you know, continue to uh, you know get better each and every week. Um, the less points that we we hang, let, let the point up on the board, the better for us. And the offense, you know, those guys are. You know, take care of themselves, but you know we, we're excited to go out there on defense no matter what the situation is, to go out there and try to make a play, make a play for our team, get off the field. So, um, you know, every other two phases of the game, we really can't worry about those guys. We're just on the defense side of the ball, continue just to up, lift each other and get better each and every week.
2: Ravens quarterback Brandon Carr is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Brandon, I want to talk much more about how things have come together defensively in Baltimore, but when you joined us, we were talking about tonight's game between Washington and Dallas. You know that rivalry well. Let's go back to last year. When Dak Prescott got the opportunity, how long did it take you and your teammates to realize this young man was something special?
3: Uh, we knew he was special in, in, in training camp. Um just just seeing him the way he uh, presented himself and carried himself around the huddle and just around the the facility. Uh you knew he was special and then when his opportunity uh presented itself, um he didn't, didn't beat an bad eye. You know, he's a guy with uh, extreme composure and confidence and uh, you know he has a great quarter and and a great line behind him to, uh, you know, give him more confidence as he steps onto the field. Um, uh, you know, this year he's missing Missing, missing this guy 21 right now, which has hurt him a little bit. But, you know, they had 10 weeks or 10 days, sorry, 10 days to prepare for this game. It's a pretty big game for a must win. And uh, I, look, I look forward to those guys going out there and, and playing with some juice tonight.
1: You talked about T. Sizzle. T. Sizzle's been around for, for a long time. Um, and, and, and I remember there was a couple years that I was there in Baltimore and, and, and he was following behind Ray Lewis. And I'm more than sure now, <clears throat> excuse me, he's the leader of this defense, from an emotional standpoint, also how he prepares. Uh, give me your take on what you see of him when it comes down to being able to impose his will uh, on offensive linemen to be able to get to quarterbacks.
3: Well, I mean that that comes from what people don't see. This just this a film study, just um, awareness. Um, this this is his uh, ballroom work. You know, each and every day preparing himself to go out there and play fast, you know, get a jump on the offense. And, you know, most games he knows the often like the back of his hand. He's out there calling plays and, and pretty much knowing what's going on. So that, that allows him to play fast. And, you know, he's a, he's an extreme uh, athlete and a freak of nature uh, with, with a personality to go out there destroy and destruct anything. You know, he plays like that, and we feed off of him.
2: Right, now, let's focus on your football journey. You played your college football at Division II Grand Valley State, then a fifth-round pick into the NFL. Early in your career, were you motivated at all to prove some of the people who doubted you wrong?
3: I never, I never stopped being motivated. I've been motivated ever since I was a young boy. I always had a chip on my shoulder. Um, so i always been naysayers. Um, you know, people say you're too small, too slow. You know, a lot of different things. Went to Division Two, but I just let those chips just add up on my shoulder, man. A big boulder. Um, every day I step on the field, man, I'm always trying to prove myself, um, you know, that I belong in this game, but also just to uh, prove to the ones coming after me that, you know, uh, if there's a will, there's a way.
1: When you talk about there's a will, there's a way. Um, this football team has has I think been battle tested to be honest with you. And however you guys need to get it done, you do. Defensively, I think you guys when 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 it's time to to buckle up your chin straps and really come after it, you guys do it better than most. Can you guys get to a point where you say, you know what, every single week, we don't care who we play, it's our responsibility to put at least 10 points on the board. Do you guys put pressure on yourself to get turnovers and try to get points off of those as well?
3: Oh, absolutely. Um, we we have a number on our board. We're trying to strive towards it. And, um, you know, especially now, December football, um, this, this is playoff ball. You know, every position counts, every play counts. So, you know, we... We look forward to um, you know our film study of preparations. When we go out there and play as fast as we can, and we can score points on our side of the ball. That's, that's added for our, for our whole team in general. So uh, we, we try to take the ball away and score as many times as we can, and hopefully in the next few weeks we can get some more points on the board from the defensive side.
2: Got with Ravens quarterback Brandon Carr, and that starts with Sunday's matchup, game filled with playoff implications for both you and Detroit. What kind of challenge do you think Matthew Stafford and that offense is going to present based on the film study you've been doing?
3: White uh, he's a He's a good quarterback, elite quarterback with a strong arm. Uh, he has the keys to the offense. Um, you know, he's making checks at the line. Um, he has confidence in the receivers and confidence in his arm as well. Uh, so it's going to be a challenge for us. We're excited for it. This is what we play the game for. This is what we, you know, we build up to this point in the season, the December football, play against high-powered offenses at home. Uh, so we, we're ready for the challenge, ready for the matchup.
1: How far, how much, do you, are you guys looking forward to playing Pittsburgh in two more weeks or are you guys really focused on Detroit? Give me give me your take on how you guys look at games moving forward? Because I I remember Coach Mike Tomlin mentioned New England Patriots, and that's two to three games down the road. But do you guys really do take it game by game, considering that you know you have one of your arch rivals coming up in the next week or two?
3: I mean, you can I think you, can, you can't afford to look forward right now, especially at this point in the season. It's a crucial part for us to keep continue to string string wins along, and uh, you know, a two game winning streak. Uh, you know, we got a, some rivals coming up, but we have a big game in front of us, a, a must win for us. Um, to stay in this race um, for, for playoffs. So, I mean, this, this is essentially a playoff game for us right now. So, take care of the business at hand.
2: Brandon, as you know, your teammate Alex Collins now has been making headlines because Irish dancing apparently has made him a better running back. It's worked. <laughs> He's found his way into the end zone. Are there guys on the team trying this? Are you willing to put on <laughs> the shoes and get out there and try some Irish dancing?
3: That's funny, but uh, in high school growing up um, – My friends and I, um, we had an idea. We wanted to uh, sign up for a a dance class to get our coordination and our balance and things um, to where we we wanted to be. So I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, you know, tell a young person not to to try. You know, myself, I got some other drills I like to do out there, but I think it's a good, good uh, exercise for coordination.
1: When it comes to dancing, do you think you guys will probably get the best dance award in the end zone? Because I've seen a lot of good stuff going on around the National Football League. Got the bowling uh, fiasco in Philadelphia when the guys were looking like the pins. And then you had some guys putting or, or chipping like they were playing golf. What do you guys have on the horizon when it comes to dancing in the end
3: zone? That's, that's been the best rule change, uh, you know, throughout this whole process, man. Allowing guys to show their creativity and just to, you know, just have fun playing the game. Um, but you know, we, we have some more dances lined up. We got to make some more plays, and uh, hopefully, the more plays we make, the bigger our dances get for us. So we have we have fun doing it, and just uh, fun throughout the week trying to create new new dances.
2: We'll be tracking that. Let's wrap it up with what's truly important. It feels like giving back is significant to you. What can you tell us about your Car Care's Foundation? There's a outstanding video the Ravens tweeted of you working with kids at a school promoting literacy.
3: Well, the Car Care's uh, Foundation has been. Um, Founded ever since 2012, um, this has been a passion of mine. Just my upbringing of my my mom and my aunts being school teachers, and my dad being my uh, basketball coach. Just seeing the impact they had on on, on both worlds. Um, you know, Car Cares is essentially my platform as I get older. Um, literacy is big for me, my family, and the foundation. I, I believe that just uh, being a proficient reader is just critical to a young student's success uh, as we move forward. And you know, by third and fourth grade, you know, it's just either you you read to learn or or learn to read. And you know, a lot of children get left behind at that crucial, crucial time. So the Car Cares Foundation is just there to provide these different resources and tools. Um, Flint, Flint, Michigan, Dallas, Texas, and now we're in uh, Baltimore, Maryland communities. And uh, we're having fun doing it, man. It's, it's been incredible. The reception has been amazing. And we just look forward to trying to motivate and create awareness as we go.
2: And let's wrap it up with style points. What are your cleats going to look like this week?
3: Oh, man, you got to check them out i got you know i kept- kept my colors with the uh the Ravens colors. I threw a little blue in from uh the foundation colors from from last year some uh miami Miami beach blue type and then uh got the logo and I have a you know blue design of a book opened up into some some ravens flying in the air you know just to let your imagination soar when you when you dive into some books so just uh try to keep it fun and light nice colors uh Looking forward to a win, man. Looking forward to a win and putting awareness out there for car care and, and literacy.
2: I like it. Very cool imagery. Brandon, we really appreciate you taking the time. Best of luck on Sunday. Thanks for the visit today on the NFL on TuneIn.
3: Nice opportunity, guys. Take care. You're
0: listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this.
2: When it comes to a beer brewed to handle a Sunday full of touchdowns, insane pun returns, and I can't believe he caught that, look for the light beer that's always brewed for more taste with only 96 calories. Miller Lite, the original light beer. to be enjoyed from pregame to postgame. It's been a part of the game since it first showed up on the sidelines back in 1975. So when you reach for a light beer this game day, grab the one that won't fill you up and never compromise is on Taste, Miller Lite.
0: Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: Next up on NFL No Huddle, the podcast presented by Miller Lite. We're joined by the injury expert, Will Carroll. Will, thanks for taking the time. So we saw the video of Aaron Rodgers looking good, throwing before the Sunday night game in Pittsburgh. What do you make of the quote from teammate Clay Matthews saying, I think we probably should have kept Rodgers off the IR.
4: Yeah, you know, it, it was always a gamble. They obviously needed the roster spot, uh, so I think they were headed this way, and they always wanted to be cautious with it. The fact that he could be out there now, uh, that he's able to perform the physical function, doesn't tell us whether that that uh, collarbone is fully healed. It's obviously braced. It's locked in there with the plate, uh, but again, you want to make sure he's absolutely 100% so you don't end up with a situation like Tony Romo a couple of years ago where he got out there too early uh, and, and put himself right back in, in a bad situation. So every sign is good, but there's never been really a worry about this one. It's just an unfortunate loss of time. You gotta be patient, and uh, I guess Clay Matthews has to be a little bit patient. I don't know. What have they got? Another State Farm ad?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Discount double-check. Um, <laughs> Speaking of, speaking of injuries and guys being 100%, uh, let's stay within that division and talk about Matthew Stafford. We saw him gimpy in a game against yeah. the Minnesota Vikings and not being able to finish well, and I think it was his right ankle. Tell me where it is right now.
4: Yeah, you know he was hit from the inside, which is an unusual uh, way to get hit. Normally we see guys get hit from the outside. They're obviously standing upright, and it's a situation where you certainly worry about not so much the mobility for a guy like Stafford, but is he going to have that stable base? Is he going to be able to move just enough? Uh, and, and so far the indications are yes. What you don't want to have to do is go in there and brace him up to have any sort of uh, you know, something that he's got to think about or that he'll feel when he's out there. You know, he practiced on Wednesday. Uh, word is that he practiced. Uh, he had x-rays after the game that weren't negative. So what we're dealing with basically is an oddly you know, functioning uh, ankle sprain. And those, you know, as long as it's low grade, which this has appeared to be, and you can play through it, you're, you're limping, you're gimping, but after a week of ice and rest, he should be back to nearly 100%. Though I'm sure they'll be uh, checking it closely and taping him tightly.
2: Injury analyst Will Carroll is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Will, watching Dallas struggle without Ezekiel Elliott, I think we're overlooking what's going on on defense. They've really missed yeah. Sean Lee. In general, what happens when a hamstring is injured?
4: Yeah, the muscles tear. Uh, I mean, I think the, the, the thing you have to realize here is that muscle is uh, basically, take a look at your steak, take a look at your chicken before you cook it tonight, and that's what a muscle fiber is. And if you tear it, it's got to heal back up. Uh, you can't go in there and try to stitch it back up. I mean, cut a steak and then try to stitch it back together. That's tough. That's what surgeons do sometimes. Uh, but this is just something where you've got to wait. You've got to make sure it heals. Because if you get back out there too soon, you're going to tear it again. You're going to take it right at that weakest point where it's scarring up and it's going it's to tear. And then it's got to restart the process. And you're just going to have problems. Worse, that scar is never 100% as strong. It's about 70-75%. You can strengthen around it, but scar, scar is a scar. Uh, So it's a tough situation. Lee has had a ton of injury problems, uh, just like Jordan Reed across the field from him. uh, Also, a hamstring injury that just doesn't seem to to be healing. Uh, Sometimes, you know, these guys can have every single skill except durability. And that's the tough part. As good as they are, as much of a difference maker as Lee is, as tough of a matchup problem as Jordan Reed is, I think we have to go back to availability. Uh, you know, If you can't get out there, you're not a problem. You're a problem for your own team. The other thing to note on Lee is that we've got to take a look at Jalen Smith, who's an inspirational story. He's playing through an injury that, frankly, I didn't think he'd be able to get back from, playing without being able to move his foot. After that devastating knee injury, he is not as mobile as he needs to be. But the fact that he's able to do it enough to uh, fill in for Lee, the problem is with Lee out, he's being exposed in more and more situations, and and that's problematic because what he's doing is pretty special.
1: Speaking of doing something special, the L.A. Rams have been doing pretty darn good with Cooper Cup and... And also Sammy Watkins coming from Buffalo, but you have Robert Woods in his shoulder injury. How much do you think that's, well, we know it's going to affect this offense, but how long will he be out to where he'll be able to at least come back at some point in time to do something?
4: Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting because obviously he's been pushed aside a little bit. The development of Cooper Cup, you know, a so-called small college guy, he's been great. You know, He had all the measurables. Uh, They really thought he was going to fit in, and obviously Jared Goff loves throwing to him. Uh, He's really more the 1A than the 2 in that offense, even with Sammy Watkins. Uh, So with, with Woods, it's the same sort of situation we have with Chris Hogan. It's also the same one we've seen with quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. And this is a question I keep coming back to. The pads we have do not protect from these kind of injuries where someone falls onto the shoulder and the shoulder moves around in the socket. If it moves uh, back, you end up uh, injuring the acromioclavicular joint. It's the AC sprain or shoulder separation. If It goes forward. You end up tearing the labrum. If it goes directly back in, you saw what happened to Aaron Rodgers. He snapped a collarbone or worse. So what can we do? I, I'm waiting for the NFL to say, you know what? We've got Jameis Winston. We've got Tom Brady. We've got Andrew Locke. We've got Aaron Rodgers. We had Tony Romo a couple of years ago. We've, and now we're seeing it more and more with wide receivers. We're seeing it with, with defensive backs. What are we going to do about this problem? You know, it took them a couple of years to address concussions. What are we going to do about shoulders? Because I think this is a question for equipment manufacturers, for researchers. We're already behind this. It's costing us a lot of time and a lot of salary lost. Uh, I think it's time to put that into research so we don't keep talking about this. I don't want to be talking to you guys five years from now about the same problem. There's always going to be injuries, but let's at least make them new ones.
2: If hey, you got anything to help a shoulder ailment? Cordell could use your panacea, because I'm looking at my man on <laughs> Skype from time to time, and he is just windowing that thing that to try to keep it loose.
1: woo somebody what do you call it? Uh, what is it? What's the real mus- muscle in the back back there? It's real de- deltoid. Is that what it is?
4: Deltoid, latissimus dorsi. You know, yeah, all, all it's all stuff. that stuff. The yeah, all is that stuff, man. Complex.
1: It's all exactly. it's all that. I can't even so reach complex. all the way back. I, I can't throw the football. I'm all screwed up. You, you thought I would have had a game yesterday? That's how bad I'm hurt. Yeah, right <laughs> well,
0: yeah. I mean, the, the the
4: cost you guys have. We got to get you in a Modus QB and uh, see if we can
1: free up that arm a
2: little bit. <laughs> yes, sir. We need it. We need it. Plus, Cordell's back hurts because he carries me for three hours every day.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that's another conversation. That's pay. That's oh, not, yeah. that's well, not last injury. Last time that's I pay. checked, you
2: get paid. This is not charity work. In <laughs> analyst, Will Carroll, is our guest uh, the NFL on Tuesday. Will, last one for me, Calvin Benjamin traded from Carolina. The Buffalo gets hurt quickly. Can you remind us, what is a meniscus? What's going on inside yeah. his knee?
4: Yeah, the meniscus is basically like the labrum in the shoulder. It's a small piece of cartilage that goes in between the two bones. It's behind the knee in the joint space itself, and it's kind of divided into two lobes. You'll hear about medial meniscus, which is on the inside of the knee, lateral meniscus, which is on the outside, and it's cushioning, basically. It's cushioning. It's a little bit of stability. Uh, There's a whole lot more stabilizers than there are cushioning, but think of it like the shock absorbers. You know, Years and years ago, uh, when there was a small tear in the meniscus, the surgeon would just go in and take it out. Uh, Because they said, you know what, you don't need the stability and the cushioning, no big deal. Turns out it is. And the problem is there's a cost to that. If you think of Dwayne Wade, the basketball player, uh, and what he has to go through at this stage in his career, it's all because when he was uh, at Marquette, they removed his meniscus. So he doesn't have that conditioning. It grinds down. So for Benjamin, he's got a small flap that's off. They're eventually going to have to go in there and take that out, which isn't going to be a big deal because he's going to have time in the offseason. The question is, can they get him functional? So we can play through that. If not, they're going to have to bite the bullet, uh, send him off to get the surgery now, and hope that he heals up for next year. It's not a long-term thing. It's a question of can you get him functional and pain-free in the short term.
1: They're going to function and pain free. Tom Brady's been on his back a lot because of his offensive lineman yeah. up front. There's been a lot of interchanging taking place. Let's talk about the center, David Andrews. It's not an injury, it just seemed like it's more of an illness. Uh, give me your take on, on where he is and will he be able to play this upcoming weekend?
4: Yeah, the problem with with injuries, and a lot of people will say we don't know this because it's the Patriots, which isn't really uh, true. You know, the, the Patriots are not any worse with injury reporting than anybody else. Uh, Actually, we watch them pretty closely, so it's not really a problem. With illnesses, we always have to worry about these because we really don't get a lot of information. They don't tell us uh, any of the gory details, thankfully. But sometimes it's, you know, they need an IV. uh, They they have the the flu-like symptoms. We've all been sick. We know what it's like. But it's really tough to predict these going forward. If he's out, it is going to affect things. What's interesting is watching the change in Tom Brady's play, you've probably seen this, he is more willing to take a hit because he knows that they've adjusted around him, they know where to block, um, but he's willing to hold in that extra second and take the hit because I think he feels he can at this stage and that he needs to to win, uh, that he doesn't have that steaming hour back there in the pocket to find whatever receiver he wants. And that's, that's guided him more, which is why we're seeing, uh, you know, him throwing more to Cooks, uh, more to Gronkowski, because he's just more comfortable with where they're going to be uh, in timing routes. Uh, I do think there's going to be a toll on this. If he thinks he's going to play to 50, he needs to start taking less hits now.
2: Well, great information as always. Have a tremendous week. We'll chat with you next week on the NFL and tune in. And please start working on the bionic shoulder. From my mm-hmm. man, Cordell Stewart. Mm-hmm.
4: Already working on it. Thank
2: we you, have bro. the technology. We can rebuild him. Thank you, Will.
0: Thanks a lot, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this.
5: Long count. Matthew's got it. Wants to throw. Looks right. Comes middle.
4: Throws. It is caught. Take five. Take two. Take one. To the zone. Touchdown, Detroit. Hi Lions fans, it's me, Tori Petrie. Hey, it's me, Lomas Brown, here. We're the hosts of the Tori and Lomas podcast right here on TuneIn. We found the angle to the house and the Lions are right back in it.
1: Tune in on Wednesdays as we break
0: down the Lions last game and preview the game coming up. We'll see you there. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: We're back on NFL No Huddle, the podcast presented by Miller Lite. Now let's take you around the league with Tyler Dunn, the Bleacher Report. Tyler, always a pleasure. Thanks for taking the time to join us again. So, if Eli is moving on from the Giants, as conventional wisdom suggests, what could the market look like for him beyond a reunion with Tom Coughlin in Jacksonville?
5: Man, you have to think that there's a market for, for Eli Manning even at at his age. Because I mean, I think that people, you know, personnel people around the league they really see the problems there in New York, right? I mean, there were drop passes every week. Uh, the defense did not perform up to expectations at all. I mean, there was really just no talent around him. I mean, it, it wasn't Eli or is not the reason that they're having the season that they're having. There, there's going to be a market for this guy. If you surround him with better receivers, a strong defense, you know, he's still somebody that can take you deep into the playoffs. I, I think there's a lot of people around the NFL who truly do believe that. I, if I was going to give you specific teams, I'd really just be throwing you know darts at the dartboard. Obviously, Jacksonville makes a ton of sense for all the reasons. I mean, Tom Coughlin being the number one reason. So, you know, we'll see how the rest of the season plays out. But I, I think there will, there will definitely be a
0: market for this guy.
1: Give me your take, Tyler, on how they handled that situation with Eli. I mean, here it is. He's, he's one of the marquee quarterbacks in the game. He's done a lot for that organization. He's one of the elite quarterbacks when it comes to conversation. Maybe not performance every year. But to see this organization handle the face of the franchise like this, uh, give me yeah, your I mean, take I on what you think. I know that tried
5: to explain it away and and really say that look, the quarterback is no different than any other position. We have to evaluate for next season. You know, da 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 da. da. But I mean, my gosh, I think that there's been a, a lot of evaluation on Geno Smith already. I mean, if you're going to go to that extent, you, you play the rookie at some point. Um, that would at least align with his reasoning here, but. At the end of the day, I mean, it's not like Eli Manning has had this dreadful season. I mean, even with all of the drops and some of the worst offensive line play you're going to see in the NFL, the guy you know, through 14 touchdowns, seven picks at a decent rating. He's, he's kept him in games. they had no business even being in. He, he is, is not the problem. I mean, I think you get a better evaluation of other young players around Eli Manning if Eli Manning is on the field. So they didn't handle it right, you know, in terms of their logic. And they didn't handle it right in terms of the big picture. I mean, this is a two-time Super Bowl MVP. I mean, this is the face of the team. One of the best players in team history. There's going to be statues built of this guy for what he's done to just kind of unceremoniously shove him aside like they did. Um, is really pathetic, and I think that it doesn't resonate well at all in the locker room, and there's a lot of people not only rolling their eyes, but you know, probably looking to get the heck out of there.
2: Tyler Dunn Bleach Report is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Tyler, let me drag you into an ongoing difference of opinion on this program. I am a Case Keenum skeptic. Cordell is a major fan. I'm going to defer to you because you know that division used to cover the Packers. How surprised are you, Case Keenum's playing this well? Do you think it's sustainable?
5: Man, I'm a believer. (laughs) I'm with Cordell on this one it's uh, Good man. and I wasn't always that way I mean this is, this is
4: <laughs>
1: he's, he's been a
5: journeyman he's been you know cycling through different systems different coordinators different teams a lot of it has to do with the talent around the guy um you know obviously they've got Adam Thielen they've got Stefan Diggs they've got Kyle Rudolph a really strong offensive line all of that helps but He's been pushing all the right buttons. I mean, you, you can see, of course, I was at that Vikings-Rams game. I mean, he was, you know, making decisions on the fly. I mean, he isn't a robot out there. He's kind of been decisive in a manner you really haven't seen out of any Vikings quarterback in quite some time that I, I think that you have to give Keenum credit where credit's due as well.
1: And allow me to further this conversation. So he plays well, they win a the division, which I, I think we all can agree they will. He gets a chance to get into the postseason. He wins his first game. Does the Minnesota Vikings offer him a long term deal?
5: I would think it'd have to, right? I mean, if he does all of that, if he takes you places you just haven't really gone as a franchise, I think he'd be nuts to just, you know, close the book on Case Keenum. I know Teddy Bridgewater's right there, and maybe Teddy Bridgewater. You know, it's better than Case Keenum. It's a quarterback who can get him over a hump that Case Keenum can't, but if Case Keenum gets him into the playoffs, they, they win a couple games, they, they prove that they're a realistic Super Bowl contender. I mean, this is a team that could host a Super Bowl. That's a very real possibility. You've got to keep him long-term. I mean, there has just been too many dreadful players that have cycled through that franchise a quarterback year after year after year. I mean, they, they with the exception of Brett Favre and, and 09, they just have some of the worst quarterback play, you're going to see that you don't mess with a good thing.
2: And Tyler, you probably have thought of this and Cordell, you can steal it if you want. If you want to make the Case Keenum argument and connect it to Minnesota, remember when Rich Gannon was the backup in Minnesota and waited and waited and waited for an opportunity, finally went to the Raiders, Blossom into a league MVP. I'm not buying it, but if you want to come up with a straw man argument, that's how it sounds. As I'm now answering and asking the questions here on NFL. <laughs> no huddle. Taking you around the league with Tyler Dunn, Bleach Report. Tyler, we have Washington playing Dallas tonight in primetime. Where is Kirk Cousins playing next season, in your opinion?
5: Oh, my gosh, man. I He could be in, what, six or seven different places. You would think that logic would prevail and the Redskins wouldn't let a top 10, possibly top five quarterback get away. I mean, I think that Kirk Cousins plays himself into that blank check. I know they're five and six, but my gosh, I mean, they took all his weapons away. They've had injuries all over the place. You know, they, they're probably a one or two team, two win team without Kirk Cousins. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think that he has a shot at sticking around, although it, the Redskins really seem dead set on, not paying him what he wants and letting him walk, which just seems nuts. So, you know, San Francisco, you know, we're going to see what they have in Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo flops. I mean, there's the obvious San Francisco connection out there. That could be a possibility. I mean, living here in Buffalo, I think the Bills would love to add a Kirk Cousins if they could. Both New York teams could. He he could really be anywhere, which is just so bizarre, because when's the last time a quarterback in his prime playing this well, week after week, leading game-winning drives like he did against Seattle on the road, When's the last time that player has hit the open market in his prime? I, I don't know what Washington is thinking, even playing hardball here.
1: Give me your take on Kansas City, the Kansas City Chiefs and Alex Smith. Like, when do you think it's time to pull the plug? They've lost five of the last six games. He hasn't played up to par. Um, give me your take on what do they do at the quarterback position as you move forward into the rest of the season?
5: Boy, it seems like Andy Reid's going to stick with him, and he's going to stand by his man as long as he possibly can here, but – um, yeah, I, I don't think there's a lot of people that think that that's the right decision. I mean, my gosh, you've got potentially a player in Patrick Mahomes who does take you to that next level. I mean, you know what Alex Smith is at this point. He's, he's good. He's not great. He's not going to take that third and eight risk into traffic, try to thread the needle when you absolutely have to, season on the line, conference championship game. He's just, he's just not that quarterback, and you need that kind of quarterback to win a Super Bowl. So I guess the Chiefs are just going to kind of ride this out, but there's no way that they're going to get to the Super Bowl if, if they just continue to ride this out because he's just not that player. Maybe Patrick Mahomes is that player, maybe he's not, but there's a lot of people around the NFL who believe that if Mahomes was out there, he could be that player that does get him over the hump because the guy just got unbelievable athleticism, such a strong arm, you, know, you wouldn't really have to throw too much at him. I mean, you saw what the Texans did with Deshaun Watson. They they ch- kind of changed their offense on the fly and, and just gave Watson a handful of plays he was really comfortable with, and the guy was setting the league on fire. I mean, who's to say Kansas City couldn't do the same exact thing with Patrick Mahomes, and you've got probably a better defense. You You still have some weapons on the outside to use. It's really bizarre. I guess they know their quarterbacks better than we do on the outside, but at this point – seeing the division now slip away, let alone the, the conference, seeing the division slip away with the Chargers surging, I was pretty surprised that Reed uh, didn't just make that move and, and go to the rookie.
2: Tyler, as always, we value the insights. Happy holidays, and thanks for joining us again today on the NFL on TuneIn.
0: Hey, any, anytime, guys. Thanks
2: so much for having me on.
0: You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this.
3: Listen to TuneIn on your time with TuneIn On Demand.
0: Jumping on a flight or planning a long road trip?
3: Download episodes of your favorite podcasts or audiobooks.
0: And enjoy hours of great audio content no matter where you are.
3: When you're ready to escape, head to your favorites, hit play, and listen. With or without a Wi-Fi connection.
0: Featuring top podcasts and audiobooks in every genre. Save your data with TuneIn On Demand.
3: Download your favorites today.
0: Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast presented by Miller Lite, welcoming in Mike Wabshaw of the Vikings Entertainment Network. Mike, there's been a lot of Case Kingdom conversation on this program. There's the horn for you, Mike. So let's go back to Thanksgiving. You
6: know, that, that normally means we got a first down at USA Stadium so I like that thought.
2: beyond the stats on Thanksgiving was that the best half you've seen Keenum play because he had the pair of touchdown passes yeah. to Kyle Rudolph and he ran one in as well
6: yeah I think it was and um you know Coach Zimmer does a radio show here in Minneapolis every week on Wednesdays and you know you hear coaches they like to stay away from hyperbole as much as they can they don't like to single out individuals um But he was asked, was that the best uh, game that Case Keenum has played for you? And he said yes. Um, So I think if Zim says it, I think the rest of us can say it. And, you know, I think some of the numbers are not necessarily numbers that um, are going to compel you to take Case Keenum first in your fantasy draft, but he really does a good job of uh, playing smart but not uh, being careful if if you can understand the difference. And he stays within himself. He understands that if we get to 21 points, we're 28-3 and under Mike Zimmer. So uh, I think Case has a really good understanding of who he is as a player and what his capabilities are and who he has backing him up, and that's one of the best defenses in the NFL.
1: And when understanding that, for him to follow, let's just say, the schedule that's in place, and and Mm -hmm. of course – some may say this last game was the first half, best first half, but I thought the game against Washington, outside of the two interceptions, one was a bonehead move. He just throws it up in the air. But I thought yeah. on the road, playing outside, out of out of the dome, I thought that was about as good as you can play, considering this is a dome football team. Shouldn't this Shouldn't this be a conversation about how well he's played all year, considering yeah. that he didn't start in a Chicago game. He came in and finished it strong and won that game and, and everything they've asked him to do. He's done it at a high level.
6: Yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, and you're – you're talking about it. You're right. I mean, he comes in and and then he's dealing with questions about whether he's going to play or not. You know, every week, and all he does is go out and prepare, and and he's ready to go on Sunday. And you know, he acts like he's been the starter for ten years. That that's how he looks on the field. So I think you're right, Cordell. But um you know, I, I've been and this is the first year I've been around Case. You know, because he was with obviously two other teams before us, um, and so this is the first year that I've been around him, and I've been really impressed with his professionalism and. You know, we saw him on Hard Knocks, and so you got a look at him through that prism. Um, but seeing him in person, you know, just very impressed with his professionalism and the way he handles himself, and the moment just never seems to be too big for him. And uh, and that's a really good uh, trait to have as a quarterback, as you know. So and now now we got these big games coming up down the stretch here for these next five weeks, and uh, and the next two in particular are playing on the road against Atlanta and on the road against Carolina. And, You know, you have a guy in case where, at least from the mental standpoint of it and from handling the moment and handling the environment, you don't have any concerns um, in that regard with case.
2: Talking Minnesota football with Mike Wobshaw, Vikings Entertainment Network, Vikings team channel here on TuneIn. Mike, we play the hits on TuneIn, so I'm going to take you back to our conversation of a week ago. I was talking yeah. about the kicking component. Is there real concern now about Kai Forbath after another wobbly game in Detroit? I'm not going to put the missed field goal on him. That came down to placement, but as you know, he missed another extra point. Had it blocked. Yeah.
6: I mean, I think, um, you know, I think as as a football team, if you're a player or a coach or whatever, you know, you always finish a game and it's you always go back and watch it and you want to find the errors and you want to correct them. So anytime there are errors, I think you're concerned about those errors and you're concerned about correcting them. So I think um, from from that standpoint, yeah, I think, I think there are concerns. With that being said, with Mike Prefer having been in our building since 2011 and working with a number of different specialists, you know, I think he's very good at identifying what the weaknesses are or what the corrections are that need to be made and then making them. I think he's very good at that. And, um, and so I'm not concerned long-term um, about the issues, but I think for this game against Atlanta, you don't want to see any more hiccups. I mean, we've seen enough of them already, and it's been in consecutive weeks. And um, the body of work with Kai Forbath is really good with the Vikings. But the last few weeks, you know, you want to correct some of those errors. And honestly, hell, we've seen enough playoff games and enough games down the stretch. It's going to come down to making kicks. It just is. With the extra point being a longer kick and with these games being tight, closely contested games, you need to execute in the kicking game. The Vikings need to get better at doing that, and I think they will.
1: Mike, there's a couple feel-good stories on the offensive side of football. We already talked about one in Case Keenum and his journey, and now here it is. You have Adam Thielen, Thielen's, Thielen's, excuse me, yep. and his success yep. that he's had so far. Uh, up, got eleven, what a thousand yards in eleven games. Uh, he's from what Detroit yeah. Lakes, Minnesota, uh, yep. growing up as a big fan of the Minnesota Vikings, and here it is. As Randy Moss mentioned, he's uplifting his football team to to be one that's. Being recognized for not just running the football and good defense, but also catching receivers catching the football and making making some touchdowns and getting the yards after the catch. Give me a story about him.
6: Yeah, well, the cool thing about Adam, um, you know, everyone kind of knows it's the small town story. He's from Minnesota. And he's playing for the Vikings. You know, so um, so that that's a cool story. But he he went to college where we have had training camp, Minnesota State University, of Mankato. You know, so. That, that's, that's kind of an added layer of the story that's pretty cool. And, um, and the one great thing about Adam is I, I remember when he came to our tryout camp. I mean, the weekend after the draft, we have a tryout camp, and, and we call it the call of the wild because, I mean, you got, you got guys coming from everywhere. You got guys coming from St. Cloud State. Yeah, um, you know, you got guys coming from Minnesota State and Mankato. Um, you know, guys that weren't even invited to regional combines. But, you know, you you need to fill out a camp. So you got fifty fifty guys there. Adam was one of those guys, you know, the call of the wild guys, but he made it through. He impressed in that three day rookie mini camp and, and here he is several seasons later. He's a thousand yard receiver with five games to go. I mean and, and the whole time he's been the same person. Um, a down to earth guy. And, uh, and a hard worker, and I think it's so ingrained in him to have to prove himself that even though he signed a big contract and he's a 1,000-yard receiver, I mean, at a Thursday practice getting ready for the Falcons in Week 13, I mean, you think he's getting ready for the Super Bowl. Um, uh, and that's, I think that's just how he's wired now, and I think it's going to benefit him for his entire career. So, um, so that, that's what I appreciate about him is just his mentality and, um, and the way he approaches the game every single day.
2: Mike, last one for me. You mentioned the schedule gets more challenging road test at Atlanta, at Carolina, but we know the word fan comes from fanatic and Viking yep. fans have been passionate for decades. What's the buzz like now in the Twin Cities? Are people saying, Oh my goodness, we can make history become the first team to play the Super Bowl at our home stadium?
6: I you know, surprisingly, guys. I think people outside of Minnesota are talking about that more than people here. And the reason is, honestly, the reason is, people are just waiting for the other shoe to drop here. It's like. This is this bubble is, is too big to be true. Something's going to burst here. And you look at the team's history, they've lost full, um, all four of the Super Bowls they've been in, and their history in NFC Championship games since those Super Bowls. Of course, in 1998, missing in dramatic fashion, where Gary Anderson was perfect for the whole season and misses a field goal to win the game. Uh, of course, 2009 against, um, against the New Orleans Saints was a dramatic loss with Brett Favre in overtime. Um, getting shut out at, at Meadowlands, 41-0 to the Giants. I mean, it's just, Vikings fans are just waiting for something devastatingly unlucky to happen and, and for the whole thing to come crashing down. I mean, and that, that's just um, being honest about what their, what their attitude is. Yet on game day at U.S. Bank Stadium, they show up, they're loud, they're supporting their team, and, you know, it's really a fun environment. So um, it would just be such a cool story. To play the big game in your home stadium, it's never been done. In fact, no team's ever gone beyond the wild card round, um, you know, in their own stadium in the playoffs during the year that they were hosting the Super Bowl. So we'll see what happens. Um, you know what? In over these next five games, the Vikings play the good teams. They might lose a game, and it's going to be really interesting to see how they respond to that. You know, because they haven't lost in two months. So what's going to happen if they lose a game to Atlanta or Carolina or Cincinnati? How is everyone going to respond? What's going to happen with Case? You know, How do they come back the next week and handle that adversity that they haven't seen in two months? I think it's going to be really interesting to see all that stuff unfold.
2: Mike, great information as always. Enjoy the marquee matchup Sunday, and we'll chat with you next week on the NFL on TuneIn.
6: All right, sounds good. Thanks, guys. You're listening
0: to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this.
2: When it comes to a beer brewed to handle a Sunday full of touchdowns, insane punt returns, and I can't believe he caught that, look for the light beer that's always brewed for more taste with only 96 calories. Miller Lite, the original light beer. to be enjoyed from pregame to postgame. It's been a part of the game since it first showed up on the sidelines back in 1975. So when you reach for a light beer this game day, grab the one that won't fill you up and never compromises on taste. Miller Lite.
0: This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast presented by Miller Lite. It's time for the Fantasy Fix with Holden Kushner of TuneIn Sports.
0: Fantasy football has become a major reality for millions of fans.
1: Makes him off to the 30. He's gone. He's gone. What a move.
0: It takes skill to win your fantasy championship, separating the zeros. He
7: goes to the near side, and it's
0: From the fantasy heroes.
2: Down the middle, it's caught over the shoulder in the end
0: zone. Buckle up your chin strap for the fantasy fix.
2: Holden, you know the sports scene in our nation's capital very well as we get ready for Thursday Night Football. It's Washington, Dallas. Given all the injuries the Redskins have suffered, how do you see the Redskins running back situation tonight?
7: P. Ryan, more P. Ryan, and more P. Ryan. Samaj P. Ryan. Uh, as long as he's getting the volume, he's in your lineup tonight. And uh, I don't think there's any question about it. Despite the fact that the offensive line has had their issues, this guy's is getting the ball in his hands, and that's what we want. So I think Samaj P. Ryan and maybe Jamison Crowder, the two players uh, on the Redskins offense that I'll target this evening.
1: Holden, how cautious will you be to use either Devontae Freeman or Tevin Coleman against the Vikings' tough rush defense?
7: You know, I think even before he got injured, Freeman wasn't having the same type of numbers under Sarkeesian. Now, it does seem like Sarkeesian's figured out how to use Julio Jones the last couple of weeks. Um, as far as Coleman goes, he is he's the number two. So I would feel a lot more comfortable starting Devontae Freeman. It looks like uh, at least the coaching staff is saying there's no restrictions on this guy. I think he's a running back, too. I don't think he is the usual premier play this week. You'd like to see him get back into action. You'd like to see him a little better matchup, but you're definitely plugging and playing Devontae Freeman. I don't think Tevin Coleman's anything more uh, than a than a flex play um, at, at running back.
2: It's a fantasy fix with our pal Holden Kushner. holding Jameis Winston back from the shoulder injury. Tampa Bay's on the road to Green Bay. If you're in a bind and it's crunch time in fantasy football, would you start Winston and what's the impact on his receivers now that Jameis is back on the field?
7: Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, this is – I mean, you're really taking a risk with Winston. That being said, he has a primo matchup. you got a banged-up Packers secondary. They've got a, at least one of their corners, starting corners, mispracticed today. We'll see what happens with King. So Evans alone, uh, Mike Evans alone, could find pay dirt this week a couple of times, although he has not found the end zone very often this year. But he and Jackson and Cameron Braid, I would expect to – have a role in the offense again, kind of went away with Fitzpatrick being in there. Bray just popped up on the injury report, but I, I tell you, I think there's a lot worse options this week that I could think of than Jameis Winston, despite the fact that he do have a shoulder issue there. So it's, it's, it's a question mark, but I mean, I feel better about Jameis Winston than I do Joe Flacco or Geno Smith or even Andy Dalton against the Steelers this week.
1: Holden, the, the Chiefs have, over the last six weeks, lost five of their six games, but do you see them bouncing back after a slow a slow few weeks, and which guy do you target to have a big showing?
7: Yeah, I don't like the way that their offensive line is performing right now, and it, there's been a lot of questions. Oh, why is Kareem, Hunt not, is Kareem Hunt not good? Well, just go look at the production of the offensive line. It's been a disaster. They were banged up. Now they're getting bodies back. They're still not uh, opening up holes. They're missing blocks. So, you know, I'm, I'm not really sold on them. I think uh, Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, is the guy that's going to put up numbers no matter what. So you're not sitting him. I think if you haven't already tempered your expectations for Kareem Hunt, you're better. Uh, and it might be too late at this point. He's not going to be one of the, uh, the top ten, even top five. But we're saying the best uh, fantasy running back this year. He's not going to be there. I think Tyreek Hill is an interesting play this week, too, because if you look at his home road split, Hill has had a lot of success on the road he has not had success at home so i think this is a week where you fire up the studs and kelsey and tyree kill and everybody else got to take a step back
2: talking fantasy football with our friend holden kushner holden it's the golden age of playmaking wide receivers think about the talent on display when minnesota takes on atlanta julio jones than 250 receiving yards a week ago adam thielen's been incredible who are your top three receivers this weekend
7: just from that game, or overall, overall, overall. league wide. Yeah, I, overall, I got, I got to tell you, I think DeAndre Hopkins is my guy here. I love him up against the Swiss G secondary at Tennessee. Uh, Hopkins. It seems like every every game, he's either catching for a hundred yards or he's getting in the end zone. So I think he's there. I think Keenan Allen and his matchup this week against the Cleveland Browns is going to be splendid. He's been getting a ton of volume, you know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen targets from. Bill Rivers, that should be a game where Keenan Allen should be able to shine. And then, you know, Julio Jones is a rough matchup against Xavier Rhodes this week. I'm not saying, you know, he's not going to go out and put up another 200 and whatever yards he had last week. I think he got a temporary expectation there. Could he put up 100 yards of touchdown? Yeah, I think he could. But um, And I think Antonio Brown has splits on a road, kind of bump him down a little bit. I'd even throw Brandon Cooks and Mike Evans in the mix. So Hopkins, Allen, Cooks, Evans, and then of course, Steelen, A.J. Green would be in play because the Steelers give up the big play, seems like, every single week.
1: The fear I had for the Carolina Panthers when they asked for Christian McCaffrey was was how are they going to use him? Do you think they figured out how to do that and what do you think of his value uh, is going to be for the rest of the season?
7: I mean, for the rest of the season, he's turned into a very reliable running back, too. Um, Especially in PPR, borderline running back one, he's just getting a lot of volume in the passing game, although his last two games he has just five catches. But, you know, Cam Newton's looking his way. Uh, I'm just I'm looking at the targets this year. He's got 84 targets this season in just 11 games. That is an outrageous number, almost eight looks a game he's getting thrown to. And, he's it, listen, you like to see more than three and a half yards per carry, but over the last three weeks he's up that, and he's averaging about six yards per carry. So I'm, I'm buying in on McCaffrey. It seems like he has – Broken through a little bit, and I I look for him to have a better game this time around uh, on the ground. Last time against New Orleans, he had 16 yards rushing on four carries. But he did have nine catches for 101 yards. I wouldn't expect that uh, 101 yards, but I would expect him to rack up some yards on the ground this time too.
2: Finally, most importantly, how are things coming together on baby? Watch, 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 watch. I think it's going down like, like right now. Right now as we speak. I think it has begun. The process has begun. Can you do play-by-play on the air? <laughs> we have the right to that, right? Um, sure. Why not? I'll go for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Let's man, do watch, it. Watch, Let's watch, have a good watch, time watch. with that. I'm sure that'd be wonderful. <laughs> well, the moment would be immortalized. At least you'd have some tape holding.
7: Yes, yes, I would have some tape. How many? We'd have a lot of listeners, of course. <laughs> Cordell could, you know, give a little bit of uh, an emotional support to my wife too. Well, do you have any pep talks? You can go back and, and dig through in your time in the NFL, Cordell. Any good pep talks
1: that I should I give my any. wife? Not not those kinds. I mean, not those put kinds. her mouthpiece. Okay. I give her a mouthpiece. How about a mouthpiece?
2: Guess give her, her a mouthpiece. Right. That's not a bad idea, actually. <laughs> mouthpiece. Go get one. That's why we call get Dr. One, Dr. Cordell Stewart, Doctor hey, Cordell Look. Stewart, M.D.
1: Give her, Dr. give Stewart. her the one like Walter Payton. I mean, I know everyone's a Walter Payton fan, right? Give her the one where, oh, you know, yeah. she can just run
2: Peyton Hill in Chicago. There it Chicago. is. Oh, yeah, I love one. There King. it
1: is. Look at that. All How right. about that?
2: Walter Payton? you got it. As oh, always, we're solving right the now. world's problems. Good luck, Holden. We're thinking of you. Keep us posted, all right? <laughs> Bye guys.
0: You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Hey guys, you're listening to Dumb People Town on TuneIn. And since we're new here, we thought we'd tell you a little bit about our show. We have dumb ears on the ground. Our fans send in stories that have happened, real stories that have happened. And along with our co-host, we Dan, try to break down that material with Dan Van. Van Dan Kirk. Van Kirk, our co-host, breaks it down, and then us, and again, we and a guest break it all down, and we try and make it funny for you. It is a fast hour, and you will enjoy it. It's a Riff Fest. You can hear episodes of our show a full week early right here on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: As we continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast presented by Miller Lite. Let's dive deeper into Thursday night's game between the Redskins and the Cowboys, spotlighting our original team player, Cowboys tight end Jason Witten.
0: It's NFL No Huddle, spotlighting the stars of the game who played their hearts out for one team their entire career. It's the original team player presented by Miller Lite
2: and today we're focusing on Jason Witten who was a third round pick in the 2003 draft coming out of Tennessee Cordell Witten best known for his amazing rapport with Tony Romo on the field what made them in your view such a special combination
1: well, Jason Witten is, is a really big target when you really add it up I mean he's 6'6", 230 what, 263 I mean they were roommates during camp they spent a lot of time together and There's nothing like having a safety valve is what I like to call it because I had a Mark Bruner um, who was my tight end in the league and I had Christian Fourier when I was in college. Uh, Those two players and those types of players along with a Jason Witten and how he and Tony Romo were together. I can totally understand it. But Jason Witten, he's so big, he imposes his will on, I I would say, linebackers. And he's been around for for some time putting in – over 15 years up to 15 years coming out of Tennessee into the National Football League so he's going through a couple generations of football when it comes down to how the game is played and of course when watching him now with with Dak Prescott he becomes uh, I would say a, a, an important piece of the passing game for him especially as a young quarterback in his game and uh you can understand why because he's he's reliable you could depend on him he's dependable uh, he, he's kind of like the I want to say he's the more athletic Rob Gronkowski, meaning that he's a big target. He can he can create some matchup issues for defenses. But most importantly, I think he's a little bit more agile when it comes down to to being able to run some good routes. But as of lately, you can see he's getting older. But I tell you what, man, that run with he and Tony Romo the last couple of years, including this one, uh, has been for... For, for Dak Prescott, and last year I thought it was solid. This year it's, it's kind of up and down, injuries and all the issues with, with Ezekiel Elliott is, is not allowing them to connect the way that I think they should. Uh, but you notice when he's in trouble, who does he go to? He goes to Jason Witten. And Jason Witten is just somebody that you can trust and you can believe that he's going to win. And he's done that more times than not. And to see him in that position that he's in right now, which I think is a first ballot Hall of Famer, being that he's a Dallas Cowboy for sure. There's two teams. If you have some success with, um, you can go to a championship for sure. You know it's going to count. Uh, but when you're just playing good football throughout your entire career, you can believe it. That's the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Dallas Cowboys. So I see Jason Witness being a first ballot Hall of Famer when his time does come up. But he's he's dependable, Mr. Reliable, and I think that's why you see see him. You saw him had the had the opportunity have the opportunity to have success with Tony Romo. And I think that's why you've seen some success, former success with Dak Prescott even now.
2: Let's go back to Witten in his prime. Do you think it mattered that he and Tony Romo were so close off the field because there was a narrative in Dallas that Romo, whenever he was in trouble, would look Witten's direction beyond his ability to get it done as a tight end. They just had some amazing relationship on and off the field.
1: Yeah, and, and that's 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 a five letter word that I think comes into play when it comes to receivers and, and receivers and quarterbacks as well, which is trust. You know, when you when you when you know who the person is, it's not even the conversation you have when you're together away from the game of football. It's just the understanding of who you are and what you're about that sometimes determines that relationship even on the football field. And sometimes it works against you too as well, but it's very rare. You see that happening uh, between a quarterback and a receiver or a quarterback and a tight end and and a quarterback and his offensive lineman. Anytime you can spend that type of time uh, with your teammate uh, and you can have that type of success uh, throughout the time in which you play together for that extended period of time, to me it it was 100% trust along with the ability of Jason Witten coming out of Tennessee uh, and Tony Romo getting his opportunity from Bill Parcells uh, gave him a chance uh, to, to have some darn, some success. And, and, and they did a darn good job of, of being able to create that relationship, allow it to last as long as it did. But unfortunately for them too, they didn't get a chance of playing one of the bigger games uh, considering success. Because if you look at the numbers and the success they both had together, some can try to squeeze in a championship, right? Sometimes it, it equates to a championship, but they never had the opportunity. And But uh, you can believe that Jason Witten will be a Hall of Famer beside players like the Tony Gonzalez's of the world, who we know is going to be a first ballot. Obviously, we know about Shannon Sharp and Ozzie Newsome, players like that. So it's um, it's going to be a good day when that time does come for him. Uh, But he's pretty darn good and pretty darn special.
2: Jason Witten is today's original team player presented by Miller Lite. You said it well. Clearly, he's going to Canton, Ohio. 10-time Pro Bowler. Cowboys all-time leading receiver. Think about that as a tight end. Second all-time in career receptions and receiving yards by a tight end, trailing only Tony Gonzalez. So, Cordell, based on the numbers, could I talk you into believing that Jason Witten is the second best tight end in the history of the National Football League? The second best. Second only to Tony Gonzalez when it comes to the stats. He's number two in every important category.
1: Yeah, but you got you got you got Shannon Sharp who's who's somewhat changed the complexity of how you gauge the tight end position because while he was a tight end that blocked, he was also just as fast and ran some pretty darn good routes uh, when he was with John Elway for that extended period of time that he was. Ended up getting him a championship when he got to Baltimore, uh, but yet he had actually got one at the latter part of his career, excuse me, two, when he was with the Denver Broncos and got him one also uh, when he moved on and went to um, – the Baltimore Ravens. So I, I I beg to differ on that one because I think Shannon Sharp is at the top of that food chain of all those guys. Now, if you're going off of yards and if you're going off of catches and all that great stuff, sure, you know what? Yeah, you got that. Go ahead. But for the best in being able to to be a difference maker, you saw that catch that Shannon Sharp ended up catching, I think, in the AFC Championship game that ran up the sideline that helped that football team in the Denver Broncos with Trent Dilfer as the quarterback and they end up making a run to the Super Bowl that year, Jason Witten was pretty darn good. He was more of a possession receiver type tight end than he was one that can be a runaway type tight end. Shannon was more of that runaway type tight end. You had a Tony Gonzalez who was that same type in a little bit more physical in a sense and being able to catch it at the highest points and probably one of the most aggressive. I think Jason Witten falls right behind the Tony Gonzalez, but Shannon Sharp is leading the charge on this one. Uh, that's no way possible after being able to be a part of three Super Bowls. You think if, if Denver – if you think if the Baltimore Ravens didn't have Shannon Sharp, that that offense would be any good?
2: I'm with you. I'm just giving you numbers. So I think Whitten's Well, just numbers, sure.
1: not top two. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, when you start saying better than, for me, it's, it's, it's not just the numbers because there's also hitting – there's hitting stats in this. I mean, the leadership of Shannon is totally different than all those other guys. Uh, I I would put Jason Witten Tony Gonzalez when he was with the Kansas City Chiefs oh it it was it was it was crazy I mean that's when you start hearing the Cal Berkeley conversation about him being a basketball player as well as a football player because he's slamming uh, the football along the crossbar I think he was one of the first to start that and then all of a sudden he goes to Atlanta and uh, was a was a big piece to Matt Ryan's success uh but yeah, you can you can argue who's the second best between he and Tony Gonzalez. And of course you go with the Dallas Cowboys, yeah. I mean, he has a little bit more fire and pizzazz behind his name and who he played for. But Tony Gonzalez he kinda he kind of reinvented that position just a little bit based on his ability, his athletic ability. I mean, that's why you see start seeing the Jimmy Grahams that start coming along and the Todd Heaps that end up coming along out of Baltimore. Uh, because of players like he and and also, uh, I would say even more, uh, Shannon Sharp. So um, Shannon leads the helm. Uh, you can battle it out between Jason Witten and, and Tony Gonzalez. I would go with Tony Gonzalez because I thought he was a little bit more athletic, of course. Uh, and then Jason Witten. But uh, come on, what class? You, you're talking about Hall of Famers. Really? I mean, when you when you start getting that category now, it's just personal preference. Uh, but if you're going off of ability and what they meant to their football teams, Jason Witten, Meant a lot to his football team with Tony, with uh, Tony Romo. Uh, so did uh, Tony Gonzalez for both the Kansas City Chiefs and the Atlanta Falcons. But Shannon Sharp, wherever he went, he won Super Bowl. So he gets he gets the top of that list for me.
2: And that's why Witten's going to have a gold jacket like Sharp and like Gonzalez will soon. Jason Witten, hoping to lead the Cowboys to a victory tonight as they try to snap their three-game losing streak. He's today's original team player presented by Miller Lite. This
0: original team player segment has been presented by Miller Lite. The original light beer. Miller Lite. Hold true. NFL No Huddle will be back right after this. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this.
2: When it comes to a beer brewed to handle a Sunday full of touchdowns, insane punt returns, and I can't believe he caught that, look for the light beer that's always brewed for more taste with only 96 calories. Miller Lite, the original light beer to be enjoyed from pregame to postgame. It's been a part of the game since it first showed up on the sidelines back in 1975. So when you reach for a light beer this game day, grab the one that won't fill you up and never compromises on taste. Miller Lite.
0: This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast presented by Miller Lite. It's time for Cordell and I to tell you what we are more than sure is going to happen on Thursday Night Football.
0: It takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always-changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure.
2: I'm more than sure. Cordell, we have two minutes left. 5-6 5-6 and six, Washington on the road at 5-6 and six, Dallas. Take you back to the first time these teams met in our nation's capital. Ezekiel Elliott ran wild. He was the offense that afternoon in Landover, Maryland. Of course, he's not going to play as the suspension continues. Cordell, how much confidence do you have that Dallas can move the ball without Elliott and win this game? What's the final score tonight?
1: The tough thing about this for the Dallas Cowboys playing against the Washington Redskins is Ezekiel Elliott gave them a season-high 150 yards and a pair of TDs. I don't know for sure if they're going to get that out of Alfred Morris or anyone else on this roster. Um, this team has been average at best uh, when it comes to what they're capable of doing. I think while Washington has been extremely inconsistent with what they've done offensively, defensively, and special teams, uh, I think because this game is played in Dallas, I'm looking at this one to say that the Dallas, Dallas Cowboys may end up losing this game against the Washington Redskins, and I hate to say that, but I see them losing this game something like a 17-13 to 13 there in Dallas. I see the Washington Redskins winning that game.
2: Okay, and if that proves to be the case, tomorrow we're going to be talking about Washington maybe having a chance to lock down that second wild card in the NFC because looking at their schedule... Rather straightforward, although you're buying the Chargers much more than I am. But Washington on the road in L.A. coming up next Sunday with the benefit of additional rest coming off a Thursday night football game in which they're going to prevail. In fact, I think it's going to be higher scoring than you see it because I don't believe in the Dallas defense whatsoever. Phillip Rivers look like Dan Fouts on Thanksgiving. Kirk Cousins, despite the doubts I have in his abilities, going to carve up the Dallas D as well. Washington's going to win this game tonight. 28-17. Enjoy the matchup on TuneIn Premium. We're back with you tomorrow with all the fallout getting you set for Sunday as well on the NFL on TuneIn.
0: Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.